You're listening to Vitamin PhD, a podcast from Boston University delivering career narratives and know-hows to supplement your doctoral studies. All right, so today we are very excited to be joined by Dr. Patricia Fabian. Welcome and thank you so much for taking the time today to join us. Um, We're really excited to have you on the podcast. Alexa and I have made a conscious effort to have a variety of guests, both in academic and non-academic roles. Um, And so to start, we'd love for you to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your personal and professional background. So Patricia Fabian, and I'm an Associate Professor of Environmental Health in the Department of Environmental Health at the Boston University School of Public Health. So on my professional background, I actually am an engineer. I studied industrial engineering at the Instituto Tecnológico y de Estudios Superiores de Monterrey, which is a really long name for a university in Mexico. It's a technical university. I um, grew up in Mexico. There's a large smelter plant in Mexico that um, is the largest silver producer. And this is kind of where I got interested in pollution. And so based on some internships that I did there, I ended up studying a master's degree in environmental engineering. Um, And then I moved to Chicago and became a consultant, an indoor air consultant. Um, A lot of uh, work doing, looking at mold, for example, and bacteria and flooded houses and flooded buildings doing industrial hygiene type work. Um, And then I sort of realized that what was missing from the engineering piece was the human health component. And so then when I moved to Boston, I studied in environmental health. I switched from environmental engineering to environmental health um, at the Harvard School of Public Health. Great, thank you for sharing a bit about your professional background with us. Um, It's interesting to hear a bit more about your professional experience. Um, And I know you and I have had a a number of different conversations throughout my tenure as a PhD student, sort of about how our personal backgrounds have influenced us. And I've shared sort of with you multiple times, like, oh, I, I feel uncomfortable in this situation because I'm the, you know, I just don't know anything about it. I'm a first generation student. And it's one of the reasons I thought you'd be such a good guest today is because we've really, you know, talked a bit about that. And I was wondering if how your personal background has influenced your career and, you know, if you would be willing to speak a little bit to that. Yeah, well, so as I mentioned, um, growing up in Mexico, I think that that was what sort of sparked my interest in environmental topics. Um, the town that I grew up in, it's a city, it's one and a half million people. It's really industrial. It has, you know, lots and lots of industry, marble, cement, you know, one of the largest cement plants in the world. Like I said one of the largest smelter plants in the world. And I think that that's that part of it, that part of sort of just growing up around that, I think is what really um, interested, gave me the interest in environmental work. Um, there's also sort of interest that comes with, you know, seeing different levels of poverty and seeing different uh, coping strategies that people have for just different types of problems, et cetera. So I think that maybe that's also part of the environmental disparities work that I do right now that sort of uh, feeds into that. As you know, I am a first generation graduate student. My parents both went to college, so I'm not a first generation college student, but um, no one in my family had gone to grad school. So I feel actually really lucky that I ended up on the path that I'm on um, because I just fell into research 
you know, I, I was applying for environmental engineering programs. Um, I had a great advisor. His name is Mark Hernandez at University of Colorado, who must have recognized something in me, probably curiosity and, and a passion for hard work and just gave me a scholarship. You know, first he gave me a job in his lab washing dishes. I was an environmental microbiology lab. I can't tell you how many test tubes I washed. Um, but I think he probably recognized sort of curiosity and, and just fostered that. And I got a scholarship at University of Colorado and had really, really fantastic lab mates. So I can say that I sort of fell into research. Um, I also think I was really lucky. I went to a very good school in Mexico. And when it was time to prepare for things like GRE, I say luck, I practiced once and I got a good score, but um, it was now that I have students and I see how well prepared they are, how they write their essays, how strategic, I actually look back and wonder how I ended up on this path because I wrote one essay, my mom corrected it, you know, and, and somehow I got in. So I do think also there's sort of the ethic of hard work, right? And I think my family has that and and of sort of solving problems as they come. There's no sort of problem you can't solve. And I think that that's also kind of what got me through is sort of this um, determination that you can get it done, um, et cetera. So yeah, I think it's a combination of getting through was a combination of sort of luck, being surrounded by really great people that I think just recognized, hey, you should do research. I remember there was a, a student in the lab at University of Colorado. I was just finishing up my master's. I had actually not even considered doing a PhD, um, except the lab that I was working in was doing research and I really enjoyed it. And I remember he came over, he was a doc student. Dean was his name. And he, he said, hey, you should continue doing research because I think you're really good at it. Um, and it was kind of a revelation actually, because I kind of thought about it, right? You never sort of think you're good at something. You just try your best, I think. Um, so that was sort of one uh, person that, that I don't know, recognized research, you know, that I was good at research. My lab mate, Jordan Petchak, who's now a professor um, at Yale, he was amazing. He basically took me under his wing and was super patient. You know, I remember um, when I first got there and I was supposed to look something up, all I knew was Google searches because growing up in Mexico, that's all the resources I had. There weren't any big libraries where you could do research or uh, look up journals and those are expensive. They're still cost prohibitive for people who, from other countries, right? With the internet, obviously now you know that they exist. And if you have the money to pay for them, you can look up a research article. So it's different, but back when I was a, a, a student here in Mexico, you know, we barely kind of started having um, video conferences and things like that. So anyway, I remember he didn't laugh. I do remember thinking later, wow, I can't believe he didn't laugh that when he sent me to do a lit review, I went to you know the browser and I was just doing a search on Google or on, probably Google didn't exist at the time, whatever the, the search engine was. Um, so I think, you know, again, being surrounded by people like that who again, recognized that I was curious and eager to learn and hardworking and didn't laugh at me for all the things that I didn't know and just sort of patiently taught me. I think that that, um, I think that combination is what got me here. Thanks for sharing that. I, you've touched on a, a bunch of 
things that I think have been coming up as themes sort of as we speak to guests. One being that if you want a PhD, one of the core things you need is passion um, for your topic and the ability to work hard because we've been talking so much about career development. I think that's the theme that's come up. The second thing that you mentioned that really resonated with me is having that one person that believes in you and, and tells you, you, you can do this, you should apply, you are capable of research. And I'm lucky I had one of those people too. And I'm not sure I would have even went through with applying if it hadn't been for this, this mentor I had in undergrad. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, and you've definitely spoken to this um, already within the other questions um, and have spoken about your professional trajectory and how you fell into research. Um, but I'm curious, if you always knew that you wanted to be in academia, um, or perhaps maybe the question is once you fell into research, right, and we're sort of on this path, um, what continued to draw you into academia and into the um, position that you are now? Yeah, thanks for asking that. I think, um, like I said, I fell into it because, again, I applied for this graduate program. Um, as I got in, but I didn't have a scholarship. And so this professor, like I said, Mark Hernandez, offered me a part-time job at the lab. Um, then kind of started asking questions. And I think I've always had that since I was little, probably if you ask my family or anybody who's you know, and friends, I'm constantly asking questions. And that's what you need to be a good researcher, right? Is just keep questioning things. Um, so maybe personality-wise that fit from the beginning. Uh, I got my master's degree, I did a thesis, I, I looked at uh, fungi and flooded homes in, in La Junta, Colorado. And then I got a consulting job. I didn't actually know what academia didn't even sort of cross my mind. It also didn't, because it didn't cross my mind and I didn't know anybody who, who was in it in terms of family or friends. I also had this ignorance about what the bar is to get in. And I think that that actually helped me because I think if I had known really to be successful, you should have connections, you should know what to do, you should know how to write, and you should be strategic about who you talk to. I probably wouldn't have even attempted it. Does that make sense? But I had so much ignorance about the field in general, kind of as, as a field, that I think that my just approach in life has been, I love doing this, let me do more of it. Um, I liked doing the research in my master's. And then I thought, oh, let me go be a consultant. And so I applied for a consulting job in Chicago, got it, started working as a consultant and I didn't like it. Um, I liked it okay. It was a you know good company in Chicago, nice coworkers. It wasn't about the, the environment. It's just that I realized that I really liked doing what I wanted to do. So asking the questions that I wanted to ask and you know doing experiments to see if they worked out or didn't work out. Um, and in consulting, there's a lot of freedom, but at the end of the day, you're getting paid by a, by a company to find something out. And even if you're being objective about uh, investigating it, you know, there's a report that needs to be written by a certain day. It's, it's with a purpose, et cetera. And so I looked back and I thought, oh, I really liked research. I liked just being able to ask questions and just take a dive and think about, you know, what, um, how I could test it, et cetera. So I think that that's how I came back to research. Personal circumstances also matter. It happened that I was going to get married and my then 
husband, my now husband lived in Boston. So there was going to be a geographical move as well. I thought, oh, well, what do I have to lose? Let me just apply to schools in Boston as I, as I move there. You know, what schools are here? Again, I was coming from an engineering background. I knew nothing of public health actually at that point. Um, and actually I applied in complete ignorance of what public health is. The only reason I applied to, I applied to the three, to three schools in Boston. It was Tufts, MIT, and Harvard, because what did I have to lose? Again, I wrote essays. I sent in the same GRE scores that I have for my master's degree. I didn't reach out to any professor, like still even having been in the master's program for a couple of years. Once I finished, I did actually three postdocs. I had my first, um, my daughter, when I was a third year doc student. Then when I started doing postdocs, I was pregnant with my son. And it was also sort of a, a way to keep some flexibility in my life to be able to still continue to do research, um, but to have a family and um, be sort of the main caretaker for my family. I think postdoc gave me that flexibility. Eventually, I actually switched to a 50% postdoc because then I could, you know, take care of my two little kids and still be doing research. So I think, when did I think about academia? I think once I got tired of being a postdoc for so many years, I still liked doing the research. I didn't like the salary, you know, after so much time. And I went to um, John Levy, who was then my, my boss as a postdoc. And I said, hey, is there anything else I can be besides a postdoc? Um, because I really like doing research and, um, but, you know, can't be a postdoc forever. And we had written a grant, I, you know, I had been a big part of writing a grant and we had some funding. And so that switched me into a research professor. And that's really how I ended up in academia. So it's really random chance, sort of keep, kept doing what I liked doing was, you know, that's to some degree good at it. And, and this is how I ended up here. So that's how I'm in academia. I don't know if that's helpful for your listeners because <laughs> it certainly wasn't a, a goal that I had since I was little or since I was 20 or even 25. I think it is helpful because you're following what's interesting you, you're, you've tried things and you went back to what you were passionate doing. And I think that's really solid career advice is to figure out what you don't like doing and then keep doing what you do like doing. Yeah. Um, I felt the exact same way during my uh, grad school application. Had I known the rigor, maybe I would not have thrown myself into the competition pool. Luckily it worked out, I'm here, but I felt the same way. I'm curious if you look back, was there something that you thought was really important for your career development as like a junior, when you were a junior faculty, was there something that you felt like, oh yeah, this was a really important thing that I did as a junior faculty that has helped me sort of continue on to moving on to associate and stuff. I think I'd go back to your comment about keep doing what you're passionate about and working hard, right? I think that that hard work ethic, I think is, you know, to this day, uh, what kind of keeps me going. I think picking the right environment is really important as well. I think BU has been a really good fit for me. Um, and I've worked in different institutions. I have good things to say about all of them, but BU is where I landed um, because of the people, because of the freedom. I think there's universities where um, BU doesn't have tenure, for example. And while that might bother some people, I think again, in 
there's there's some ignorance again back to, to that component that some people look for faculty jobs and academic jobs because they'll be able to get tenure um, that kind of protects their job forever etc and I remember coming into BU and um, Dave Ozanoff walks into my office like two days later to welcome me and truthfully I'd never had that happen in any university ever so I was kind of thinking this is weird this is a weird place where people come in and they just he just came in to talk and welcome me to the department um so so that so I think uh being in a good good environment yeah but I think it's just you know I can't pinpoint sort of something from junior to associate that that helped other than you should be happy where you are right you should be passionate about what you're doing and you should be surrounded by good people so look for those three things and then just Put your head down, do fun things, and you'll be fine. I think, um, which tracks with so much of what you've talked about so far, that really the importance of the environment that you're in and how that can foster and facilitate comfort, first of all, to really settle into your position, um, but also reflecting on who you want to be as a scholar and as a researcher and how that naturally starts to influence what career development looks and feels like for you. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, and we've also been asking folks if they can recall, um, and so we will ask you now if you can recall, um, aspects of career development that were described to you as a graduate student. Um, and anything that either stood out to you or that you might have felt was missing? You know, I always tell my doc students at BU that they are super lucky and well-resourced because Mike McLean and he and I went through the same doctoral program. He's the one who set up the, the doctoral program and then now, you know, Birgit has continued it, et cetera, in terms of all the professional development and support for students, whether it's uh, social, networking, think about your job afterwards, uh, journal club, uh, seminar, all of these pro seminar, all these kind of things that are set up. I look at them and I look at my doctors go, you are so lucky because I had none of that. I think it was all also kind of jumbled together with kind of trying to balance my personal life and truthfully some kind of a brain fog because trying to do a postdoc when you've got two little kids is also really tough. Trying to finish a doctoral program when you've got one baby, right? That's really hard. Um, so it's possible that I just don't remember very well because it's a time in my life when I wasn't getting any sleep. <laughs> but certainly formal things organized as a doctoral student, seminars and career paths, et cetera, there was nothing of that. Um, I did have good mentors, so I probably, you know, had good conversations with them. Um, yeah, it's possible too that there wasn't something formalized. I think the formalization of career development, particularly for PhD students, is sort of in its it's still in its development. And, you know, certain, like definitely in my department, we have a lot of formalized things. And you've been a mentor to a number of students, master students, PhD students, all levels of students. Um, and you've also sp spoken to the importance of your mentorship that you've received over the years. As a mentor to many students, what is sort of your philosophy about career development for your students? Is there anything that you sort of suggest for them um, to develop those career development skills or to figure out what they want to do? Yeah, thanks for that question. I think that my mentor style has changed over time as I've hopefully gotten better. I don't know. Um, 
but I think to trying to listen a little bit more from kind of a, along the whole career path, right? Because doc students arrive and they have one idea of what they want to do. Some, some of the doc students, that's what they want to do when they finish. Many of them change their mind along the way. And so I think trying to really listen to what they want as, as they state what they want, sort of trying to provide connections and opportunities for them to try that out. And then as they change, which again, most of them do, I think sort of continuously change the connections and opportunities for them as well. Um, I do, so I think that that's, that that's been my mentoring style is kind of just listen to what I think they want to do and then hopefully just provide options because also realizing that some people are well-connected and well-resourced and, and know where to kind of find all these opportunities, um, others are not. And then you don't know what you don't know. So also trying to push them a little bit to try something that they haven't before, try something that they haven't considered before, if that makes sense. Um, because that's important, right? Sort of explore things, try things, you might actually end up liking them. And I think maybe because my goal was never academia, I don't think that that's sort of a preset goal that I have for doctor students either. I would say that of our students, maybe a third end up in academia, right? And a third in more um, sort of research institutions and then maybe more sort of government, health, CDC type work. Um, so I think keeping that open mind but then sort of trying to show those possibilities, right? That you may have this preconceived idea in your head, try different things and you might find, you know, find your path that way. So that's one thing. The second is maybe trying to build confidence. I, I do feel like research just by the nature of the work, right? Where you're questioning everything all the time, you end up questioning yourself all the time as well. As a current PhD student, I resonate quite deeply <laughs> with your last comments on confidence. Um, I think that that is such a crucial piece that can be bolstered and tended to in different ways than it is right now. And I think particularly as we're talking about career development and what it means to really reflect on, well, what do I want to do and how do I want to do it? confidence plays such a huge role in that. So I appreciate you highlighting that um, within this broader discussion that we're having. Um, and you have, I mean, infused within uh, our discussion today, so many wonderful pieces of advice and reflections on your own experience related to both academia and career development. And just to, as we're entering the last, a um, couple questions that we have. If there's anything else that you feel like you want to add to this discussion that perhaps our questions didn't um, tap into. I think the piece of advice would be around the confidence, right? That if you think about how far you've gotten in your life so far, right? You've gone to college. You probably are, you know, most likely also already degree. Most, most students do, some of them don't. You've had to work so hard, right? If you think about how hard you worked in your doctoral program, you've had to problem solve. You've had to troubleshoot. You've had to do it on very little sleep. You've had to network. 
public health problems are really complex problems if I think about um, public health, but that's true for other disciplines. So I don't want to say this is just a public health comment. So you should be really proud of that and basically say anything the world throws at me, I can solve, right? Any job that I end up in, I'm qualified to do. If I'm not the expert in whatever that topic is, I can learn it because I've spent the last however many years learning. Um, so I think that just sort of looking back, right? Instead of just looking forward at everything that you don't know and all the things that you haven't done, take a look back at the mountain of things that you have done and learned and things that you've overcome and you can do anything. So I think that would be my piece of advice. That's that's really a good, good suggestion and great piece of advice. We've been also asking all of our guests, totally unrelated to career development, just, just to step back and say like, what, what do you do for fun? What do you do that's not work related? If you, we've talked so much about like work ethic and passion, but like, what is something completely unrelated to that? Like, how do you find that sort of balance? There's there, what do you do for fun in your life? Yeah, well, so I talked about my kids already, having kids when I was in the doctoral program. And I think every is important for Mexican culture, you know, family is the core of everything. And so I think everything that I say about fun is really related to hanging out with my kids. They're now teenagers, both of them. Um, but I think that that's where I find energy and recharge, et cetera, since, since they were little. I enjoy hanging out with them. Um, I think also part of why I like academia is the flexibility in the schedule, right? I can work until two in the morning, which means I can have lunch with my kids or meet the bus, you know, with sort of whatever varying degrees of, of change have happened there. I like traveling. I like cooking cultures, new languages. So that is also sort of something that I like doing. But I will say that until my kids uh, head off to college, probably my free time is about sort of hanging out with them, doing stuff with them, thinking about their next steps and how to help them grow, et cetera. Yeah, family is so important. And I'm glad that I think that's one of the greatest aspects of academia is having that flexibility and particularly within our department that is so valued. Well, thank you so much for being here today and taking the time out of your schedule to share some advice and talk about career development with us. I think this has been a really productive conversation and current and future or even people outside of their PhD will be able to benefit from, from hearing your story. Thank you for listening to episode five of season 10, Career Development with Vitamin PhD. We rounded out our last episode here with Dr. Patricia Fabian, where we talked about career development in academia. If you're interested in learning more about Dr. Fabian, you can find her on Twitter at, at Patricia Fabian S, or you can find her faculty BU page that's linked in our bio. Thanks for listening to season 10 of Career Development. You can continue to listen to future episodes from Vitamin PhD wherever you find your podcasts, or continue to follow our updates on our Instagram or Twitter pages that will be linked below. Thank you.